Places, places, we've got a show to make here. Is Chris ready? Yes. Okay, everyone, in three, two, one, and... Coming to you live from sunny Orlando, Florida, it's the Great Movie Radio Show, a movie talk podcast starring Chris Schneider. Hello everyone and welcome to the Great Movie Radio Show, or as Gabe likes to call it, the Great Movie Radio Putt-Putt Golf Water Park and Tiki Bar. You know it. <laughs> Gabe Jeremillo so has rejoined me uh, for episode six, uh, the return of the movie radio show. <laughs> when we get to episode eight, it's going to be the last movie radio show. Hopefully not, hopefully not, hopefully And then episode 9 will be uh, Duel of the Radio Shows or The Rise of the Radio, I don't know. We're rise gonna, of the Radio. Yeah, Rise of the Radio Show. We're going to have some fun with it. I should put the uh, Star Wars theme at the bit, the beginning of each one now and just redo the <laughs> redo the intro that Mr. Fesky has so graciously made for us. So we talked last episode about going around the track and some of yeah. your favorites. Um we're actually going to touch a few different movies that you've uh, mentioned to me uh, this episode. Some movies that are beyond your favorites that have inspired you, that you, you really love. Uh, some soundtracks that you adore. Some movies you haven't seen. And then a question I haven't asked on the show yet. My wife actually gave it to me the other day. That was, She said oh. it would be interesting. And I said, you know, I should try it. And uh, that is a movie that you dislike. Or, or or maybe one that you went in with very, very high expectations and came out with, with uh, that sucked, pretty much. Kind of like, so, oh, my first date's before Michelle. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll not talk about that. <laughs> we won't touch that. So, um, a few movies, and I asked for uh, um, a couple of movies that inspired you. You actually just listed Jim Carrey films. Yes. And that is way more than five, but that is okay, because he has done... And, you know, he's, so been, many. he's been hit or miss with more recent pictures. But, but I, I mean, like, I think his, like, more recently he's been more, um, I, don't know, I don't know the way to describe it, besides, like, open-minded and he's very... Trying new things. Trying new things and seeing the world and, we you know, this like, show. exposing the entertainment industry and, like, stuff like that. And it's, it's a different Jim Carrey than we're used to. And I think he's trying to stray away. Because I, I feel like this Jim Carrey... I realize he's more of a method actor, and he really has to jump into his films, which I appreciate, and yeah. like, that's awesome. But. I, I haven't seen many of his newer things. The one I want to see, it's a show he actually did. Mm. Um, it, it looks very Mr. Rogers-ish, but yes, yeah. very, like... Darker. Uh, darker. Like, he, he, he's, like, slowly going crazy or something. Aren't and I think... It, I forgot if it was just called Funny or... I, I, I don't remember what it's called. I have to look it up. But it looked phenomenal. And he looked like this happy-go-lucky, you know, TV, uh, TV host that was kind of like on a children's program. Oh, kidding! That's kidding, what it was kidding, called. Kidding, kidding, kidding. And it 
it looked great, and, and I want to see it. And of course, he's going to be Doctor Robotnik in the upcoming Sonic the Hedgehog film. That I, my fingers are crossed. That here's here, here here's my thing, and I'm, I've uh, you've probably seen the memes before and stuff, but they spent so much money to redo Sonic the Hedgehog for us because the first version the first one looked like so creepy. <laughs> Have you seen the one I, that they made him look like Gull? Oh no, I. Just, <laughs> I just feel like we owe it to them, and some people are like, you know, it was it was a stunt. They did that on purpose to get attention, but still, they spent the money and they listened to the fans. Oh yeah, and I feel like that's rarely done nowadays, especially with like fandoms like Sonic. Like my first system was the Sega Genesis. Exactly. And I remember playing Sonic One and Two and Sonic and Knuckles. Like so, yeah. there's so I'm many- excited for it. Jim Carrey's in it. It's Sonic the Hedgehog movie. I'm not going in expecting an Oscar award-winning performance from the Hedgehog, but you know, we'll see what happens. It's gonna be a fun movie, mm-hmm. and uh, the guy, the kid who played John Ralphio in uh, Parks and Rec, is playing Sonic, the voice of Sonic yes, the Hedgehog. Yes. I remember back in the day, I had one of those little tire electronics handheld games. Yeah. And I had one of those that was Sonic the Hedgehog. Not just yes. the, I had the Genesis for a little while, but I had the. Little, little tiger that you know they did Aladdin and all sorts of did yes, Lion yes. King and those and it was just those, a, it was just a picture in the background but then it was like like a black screen. outline and you just yep. like, move around. Those things oh, also, I think I had a Power Rangers one too, which I know oh, you would yes. adore. Yes, they did. You they probably did. had one. Oh, I did not. Oh, <laughs> but my friends love, did. Hello, I friends. Say, I know you love. The you want to hang out? No, I just want to hang out with your Power Rangers. <laughs> But, uh, you know, Jim Carrey, he's done so many good films. The Mask, which we talked about last episode. Ace Ventura, we talked about last episode. I loved Man on the Moon. I was a huge fan mm. of SNL growing up and, 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 and learned about Andy Kaufman and that whole odd situation that he, he put himself in through his comedic career. And then they had Jim Carrey come in and play Andy Kaufman. And, of course, Danny DeVito had worked with him on, on Taxi. And they replayed that whole or refilmed that and recreated it for the film. And I'm pretty sure it didn't... Because didn't, didn't that lead to, like, a documentary about... They did. They did an Netflix yes. documentary. But Jim Carrey not not only played Andy Kaufman in the film, but while he was filming, he he was Andy Kaufman. And huh. that's what the documentary was about, was him that's right. diving yeah. into the role so much of Andy Kaufman of being... Uh, while he was filming. And so, like, the Tony Clifton um, fake... Uh, persona that Andy Kaufman had created during his comedic career. Uh, Jim Carrey played that character too, yeah. and so he he was acting like Andy Kaufman the entire time, and it really pissed off the cast, the crew, filming the movie. But at the same time, they admired uh, his. But yeah, that's. I mean, that's just, like I said earlier. He's a method actor, so he's always on when he's in a role. And I mean, you know, I I don't know about all of his films, but the, I think after that documentary, they somebody did like a joke video of him being method as the Grinch, because obviously he did the live version <laughs> of the Grinch. Grinch, and him like being the Grinch offset and all that stuff. But you know, I just respect him all around, it's, and even more so now, like seeing stuff like that. I'm like, man, he's not only funny, but he's like intelligent. He's like painting now too. Yeah, and I'm like. If I was rich, I'd buy one of his paintings. I remember, uh, I still quote uh, a couple of one-liners in the Grinch movie that, I, I rewatched it, and <laughs> it, it, it's it's funny. It's not as good as I remember it being as a kid, but uh, there's still a few one-liners, because it's Jim Carrey, and he's always going to deliver the one-liners. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this, when he's ripping the shirt, and he'd, stop me before I kill again. <laughs> that part I, I always chuckle at. And then the, 
somebody says something to him and he doesn't understand. And he's like, holiday hoobie whatty. <laughs> Anytime I'm like out like at work or something and one of my team members like asks me a question and I don't hear what they said, I'll be like, holiday hoobie whatty. And I just think to myself, did I really just say that? See, I go to the cliche, the, the one-liners everybody knows. And he's like standing in front of the mirror and he's like, ooh, ah, ooh. That's it. I'm not going. <laughs> or he's, he's like, dinner with myself. I can't cancel again. But what will I wear? Like it's, it's, oh, he's just uh, even and, in the bad movies he's he's done. He's he has been a, a wonderful, silly man that I've just I've I've loved all my life too. And so I understand dumb uh, dumb and dumber. Oh, Samsonite. I yeah. was way off, bird. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, but, uh, but it's funny because I put. Jim Carrey films. I didn't put all of them because I really you love re- him as an actor. I no oh, no no. I love all his movies except for the Cable Guy. I hate that movie. You hate Cable Guy. I like can never finish it. And I'm like I don't think it's funny with Matthew Perry. I'm like sick to friends. And, uh, but no, uh, but if, if for some reason I just never enjoyed that one. I love all of his other movies. You know, Grinch, Ace Ventura. Of course, he was in Batman. Was it Batman? Batman the, 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 because the Jim Carrey was the Riddler that Halloween, I went as the Riddler. You did? And I did everything I could to try to get a flat top. But being a Hispanic male from South Florida. I think we need to find Florida, a picture of this if I, you have it. Put it on the g yeah, page. Yeah, maybe I'll text my mom like, hey, do you have any photos? She's <laughs> yeah. like, sure, yeah, they're next to your baby teeth. And I'm like, what? No. Oh, <laughs> gross. Oh, I, I've got to see that because if you did the hair as much I, as you could, well, I, I as much as I could, but yeah, like I said, <laughs> being a little Hispanic boy in South Florida, my hair didn't really stand up straight like a flat top. But, yeah, but I uh, tried. I had the cane and everything, and I would spin it around at school and <laughs> acting like whack kids. And you know, yeah. <laughs> I no, I I've grown to love Jim Carrey, and even when he did, uh, he did Kick Ass too, and that yes. was that was pretty oh, when pretty he, good role for him. And, spoiler alert: When he died, I was so upset. Oh, yeah, because he was trying to save the others. I haven't watched that one in a minute. Uh, what else has he done? Uh, Mask, we've already talked about. Uh, Bruce Almighty. Uh, Bruce Almighty. Um, no, the the Truman Show. I really like that one. Yeah. That it was it was it had silly moments, but it was a little more serious, more of a drama, but it had its comedic elements to it. I remember when you did that that horror one with number twenty three. Oh yes, yes. And that that really when i was younger when that came out and i you know i thought it was a great film and it doesn't hold up as much now but it it was an interesting take on the idea was was definitely interesting uh, i'm trying to think of other things he did yeah, liar, liar 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 oh liar liar the pin is royal blue <laughs> me myself and irene he even made an uh, appearance on one of my favorite tv series the office and well, oh, yeah. after, uh, and of course, we got a, a in living color when he when he started on well, living yes. color. All the, of his the skits firemen. Are... Oh, I forgot what it was because that's what he was like. One of the firemen. On yes, there. that was. <laughs> oh, he's so great. Wonderful actor. I've, yeah, Cable Guy. I haven't seen in a while, so. I think I've maybe tried watching it three times, and I just gave struck up. out. Three. So American History X is next on your list, and that is one I definitely haven't seen, but I know I know about it. Um, it's that's uh, Edward it's, Norton. Yes, it's a very, very powerful film. Um, it just it pretty much just follows uh, Edward Norton, and he he's in jail, and he talks about a story how he used to be like white supremacist and stuff, mm-hmm. and how Simon Joe he changed, and they just 
show, and they touch on the whole like race and you know uh, racism and stuff like that. And I just remember like watching the movie for the first time, and I was like, "Holy shit!" And you know, it's it's unfortunate because although that movie was made, I think was like. It was made in the 90s, I think. Yeah, it was 1998 or 90, and it was 98. 98, yeah. So even it, like, even then, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. There's definitely like race, like you could still see it now, and it's like, but I think the message behind it, how he changed from being like you know white power, like he had Nazi tattoos all over him, because yeah, he changing. was trying to prevent his brother from becoming what he yeah, was. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Then then he you know gets out of jail and does all that, and it's just. And it was the, it's one of those like the shit. kid that played Connor in Terminator too, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him. And I don't remember his name, but one of the guys in his like clan was a was a bigger guy from Boy Meets World, like the bully. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah he's he's in that movie too. I do remember Edward Norton getting nominated for an Oscar but, for 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 that role. I just I've never seen the picture. I know enough about it to it's to have. I, and then, like to, the, the cinematography of it's it's great too, and it's just. It's a very, it's a very powerful, powerful film, and you know, after I watched it, I'm like, wow, it's very, it's one of those where, you, you know, you like, you know, people change, and oh yeah, opens your eyes a little bit. And but then, that, I mean, then that goes into the next one I have in there, uh, Stand and Deliver. Stand and Deliver with Edward James Almost. That came out in '88. I oh, remember, I remember I, that movie. I remember the, fr- I remember exactly the first time watching that movie. I was watching it at home, and it was a school night, and I was like seven when the movie started. I watched it, and at that time, my mom was like, your bedtime is 8.30, and I'm like, okay, and 8.30 came, and I was like, but, but mom, the movie's not over. She goes, okay, because it's this movie. Once it's over, then you can go to bed. And I was like, okay. And, you know, it's just like, uh, he's in a low-economy school in California, and he's like one of those teachers that believes in his students and is teaching them mathematics, and he's like, you know, I think you guys are better than what, you know, the school provides for you, and just... Another one of those like powerful messages in just you know a different way, not too yeah. much racism and and you know you have uh, be better than you think you are. Yeah, exactly. And like, I just yeah. think those are good. I love Edward James almost too. He uh, he was in Blade Runner, which I've, I've loved him in, and he did the uh, the Battlestar Galactica uh, sci-fi series remake that was fantastic. I've always loved him. Yeah, and I um, mean, if you know you're Hispanic and you're listening, he was Selena's dad and. Selena. Anything for Selena's. Yeah, (laughs) that movie. That movie makes me cry every time. I'm not afraid to admit it. It was on the break room one time, and I was waiting for Jennifer Vasquez, and she was. She's like, "I'm just gonna change really quick in the bathroom." I said, "Okay," and I looked up at the TV. I said, "Jennifer, the end of the movie's coming. I need you to hurry up and get out of here." And she took forever. And by the time she came out, I was already crying. She's like, "Are you crying?" I was like, "Yeah, the movie." Anything for Selena's. Anything. Don't you have a shirt that says that? No, no, no. Oh, I wish. I thought you did. I, sh- I don't think I've ever seen like a shirt that says that like, specific was, well, scene. Well, something at Target or something like that. Like, Maybe. I, I thought you had it. I don't know. But uh, the other the one you have on here is biopics. So you're a huge fan of biopics. Yeah. And I saw back in your drama list, you loved the most recent uh, Tom Hanks' Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood That's... as Mr. Rogers. Oh, I cried five times in that movie. The... It, was... it was a fantastic film. It was so good. But like, not only that... Um... There is a Notorious. I'm a big hip hop. I haven't seen fan. that one yet. It's based off uh, Biggie. Oh yeah, that's a great one. Um, um, what did um, you think of uh, Rocket Man and Bohemian Rhapsody? Those so I are. didn't see Bohemian Rhapsody, and I know it's on HBO, and I keep meaning to watch it, but you know, busy schedule. I saw Rocket Man, and I loved it. I blew it away. I was like, now I want to see him in concert. But 
of course, if you've seen the movie at the end, he's like, yeah, he's uh, not doing tours anymore. Well, he, he's doing his final tour right yeah, now. Yeah. I think he's going to come back through town one more time before he, he wraps it up. I will do my best to try, but I'm sure those tickets... I, I realized seeing that movie that I loved a lot more of his music than I, than I knew I did. That's, and that's what I love about like music biopics, because you're like, oh, yeah, I'll watch this movie about this artist, and then you're like, wow, I forgot how many songs I knew. And, you know, music being your drug, you know, yeah. it's great. Well, I actually, uh, my theater played, because uh, Michael Hutchins uh, killed himself in 97, mm-hmm. and there's been, I guess, a recent resurgence in, in his historical means. Uh, we played a 1990, I think it's 92 or 93 concert when NXS played Wembley, mm-hmm. and it was a sold-out show, and it was, like, the second biggest show after Live Aid or something. I don't sure. remember all the details, but they were playing NXS at, at Wembley, and it was a fantastic concert. And I was like, I don't recall knowing as many. It wasn't a biopic. You know, they, they yeah. touched a few behind-the-scenes things of the show. And then there was a later documentary about Michael Hutchins' life. And so they touched, um, it was called Mystify, that we, we played a couple weeks after. And it touched uh, the life and times of Michael Hutchins going through NXS. And he did a little solo time and did another band for a hot second. And I was... I. Like you said, I didn't realize I had known as many songs of NXS that I did. And there's, you know, had a great career back in the 90s before he sadly took his life because he was a wonderful musician. They're from Australia. Yeah. I love NXS. Um, and I, and more I think I love the musical ones a little bit more than like, like Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Yeah. Amazing film. But the musical ones, because you have that like nostalgia and you start remembering so stuff. You, and what I th- think is cool is they've also gone from making biopics to using that nostalgia aspect of music into, like, movies like, uh, you know... What about Saving Mr. Banks? Like, that one had a lot of musical mentality have... because of the Mary Poppins. I've and... never seen that movie. Oh! So if you love Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers, you will love Tom Hanks <laughs> as Walt Disney. And then um, uh, Emma Thompson plays uh, the writer of Mary Poppins, and it's, it's Walt Disney trying to coerce her excuse me, coerce her into allowing Disney to film and adapt her book. I want to see it. I and just, it's, I just, it's oh, one of those movies. So it's been sitting there on my list, and I see it all the time, and for some reason I just head back to the office before it goes. But n- no, but like, um, and like like I was saying earlier, like the, the music and taking it and not so much doing a biopic, but turning it to a movie based on stuff, and they do that mm-hmm. on Broadway all the time. Oh, like, yeah. I just came from New York two weeks ago, and I it's saw... Beetlejuice, uh, right? I saw Beetlejuice, I saw uh, Jag Little Pill, which is based oh, yeah. off... Alanis Morissette. Alanis Morissette's music, and it was interesting, and it's like so clever and smart how they take those songs and turn it into a story. And you're like, how do those... Like, literally before, I was like, how are they going to take all those songs and put it into a show and make sense? And it does... I loved, uh, I didn't get to see it on Broadway. It, it got on YouTube somehow, but I'm a huge fan of the movie American Psycho. Uh, and that hit Broadway for a hot second. The guy who played Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he played uh, Patrick Bateman, which was Christian Bale's character in the movie American Psycho. Do you like Huey Lewis in the news? <laughs> yeah. And so he, uh, he was wonderful. And the, and the, and the, and the musical had a very great, 80s vibrant feel to it and just like the movie did uh, but you know more musical you know the, 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 the musical was pumped up and there, uh, there was more of the 80s feel and yeah. I, I love that they turned this 
you know, thriller slasher movie that had an 80s backdrop and, and, and kind of brought the 80s backdrop more in the front and center part. And so you had a lot of 80s. The songs were um, a couple of different hits from the 80s that the, the cast sung. And then there were some that were written for the show. Yeah. And, and so, like, the thriller slasher part was a little uh, took, taken back a little bit. You know that was still part of the main theme, but your 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 '80s music was your your front and center, and I I really loved what they did with that movie on a musical sense. And I, I don't watch a lot of musicals. Yeah, but, but that, I, if I had a chance to get to see that one on Broadway, I definitely would have. Yeah, it, for it's, sure, it's a and, great film. And they're doing. I feel like they're doing that a lot too, because they you know, they're doing they it with SpongeBob. <laughs> they did that with SpongeBob. That's. If you haven't heard the soundtrack or seen it, it was on the, like they aired it a couple weeks ago on Nickelodeon. I, I heard about that, and it's a great, great musical. I just saw Beetlejuice on Broadway; that was amazing. And then next month in Liverpool, they will premiere the Back to the Future musical. They're doing a Back to the Future musical. Yeah, and it's going to be there for eight weeks, and then after eight weeks, it's going to move to London to the famous uh, West End Theater, where it's going to do its run there. But they try to go see it. Maybe honeymoon, <laughs> Back to the Future musical. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, I I like I follow on Instagram. But it's cool when they do that stuff. Like that's how powerful some movies are. That they're like, how can we like keep telling this story? And like musicals, a great way. It's like it's like a movie, but on the stage, elevated like, a little bit. It's a live action movie, exactly. Live. Live action movie live. Yeah. I'm going to write that movie. <laughs> Welcome to the live action movie live. No, I, I, I completely agree with you. And I, I Like I said, I don't watch a lot of musicals. You're probably more into them than I am. But I, I understand um, how they elevate certain aspects that, that film can only deliver on a screen. Yeah. Where you're doing everything live. That, that's, just the, that's just the joy and wonder of theater overall, honestly. I think that's why it's my favorite, like... I will say I love movies so much, but theater is just, I think the live aspect and the intimacy that you get from a live performance rather than a movie is great. Because the sh- the, the, what happens in the show generally is the same, but sometimes the characters, the, the performance and the portrayal comes off differently every show. So every yeah. show you get something different, but it's still the same at the same time. Yeah. And that's, that's what's unique about it. Let's I do, go! I do also love... That a lot of orchestras are now bringing movies to their uh, symphonies, and they're playing the music live. I mm. still have I have yet to go do one of those, like I, yeah, like I, Harry Potter or, or, or uh, Star Wars. I'm waiting for a Lord of the Rings one because <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Howard Shore's Lord of the Rings scores. Like, I oh, they're so wonderful, and probably one of my favorite soundtracks of all time would be Howard Shore's Lord of the Rings trilogy. So if I could ever find just an orchestra that plays them or like plays the, the, the score with the movie, um, I remember getting to see him play with the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra when I was a kid after the trilogy came out. He conducted the ASO when I lived in Georgia as a child, and they played songs from all three, and I, I that was one of the moments where I, I knew I wanted to do something with music, which you know I sadly never panned out. I, you know, I tried a few things, but I never got to complete my my journey in that but <laughs> it was something i wanted to do and that's why i love music so much is, is moments like that and i i really want to go into uh one of those watch the movie and we'll play the score yes. behind it and i, I feel yeah. that live that live format just brings something else 
Not like you were saying, or... music exactly, and you're getting it right there, and so you're you're watching the emotion of the orchestra play it while it's it's playing, and, and like you said, with theater and musicals, where you're, you're getting that live performance, that raw energy, you you get that with the the same. Uh, the cinema aspect is still there, but you're still getting a little bit of that raw energy from the orchestra. It's kind of like bringing back the uh, the olden times of the movies where they would play the movie. They play the piano. No, it's yeah, I, but I know what you're talking about. I yeah. really and I keep missing it every time, but I want to see like the Pokemon one. They're doing a Pokemon one. They've they've done it before. Oh, okay. And they've done all the different games and stuff and. And then now they're remastering the Me Too Strikes Back in CGI, which is an interesting choice. But, did yeah. you see the Detective Pikachu movie? I did. I loved it. I, I thought it was wonderful. My wife and I recently watched I think it's on HBO. Yeah, we, that's we, how we, I watched we it. We streamed it, and it was, uh, no, it was really enjoyable yeah. and uh, a little predictable, but but very fun. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, for, in a good way. It was probably the best live-action video game movie that's been made. Oh, for sure. In in. A long time, if not at all. I don't know what you're talking about. John Claude Van Damme and Street Fighter? That was <laughs> amazing. <laughs> oh, God. I haven't seen that in so long. Or the Mortal Kombat movies, too. Oh, oh, God. Maybe I need to have you back on to, to talk about <laughs> video games and film. That might be a fun one. Yeehaw! Well, look a here. We sure do hope you're enjoying this episode of the Great Movie Radio Show, starring my old partner, Chris Schneider. Don't none of y'all move always on this break. We'll be back in just a moment. Warning. Remain on this podcast. The advertisement you are experiencing is extremely dangerous. Proceed with caution. You've been listening to the Great Movie Radio Show starring Chris Schneider, which means you hit the mother load. Don't forget to stake your claim by hitting that subscribe button so you don't miss another great episode of this Movie Talk podcast. See you on the trail. Uh, we're going to go drive into some of your favorite um, soundtracks and Baby Drivers at the top of your list. Bell Bottoms! Damn! I have that soundtrack on vinyl, and let me tell you, Baby Driver was badass. So, so I'm, I'm, I will admit this, I'm not um, as big into scores. Like, I, I could hear them, but I don't like dissect them and I can't pick them up, I would say, as much as you do. But that movie the way they like edited and sliced everything was like to a T they made the sound and the action going on to the point where there he has like it's like raining or something and there's windshield wipers and it's going along with, with the, the music I was like if he doesn't get the Oscar then I just then it's rigged it's it rigged okay baby driver was directed by Edgar Wright and he has done some wonderful uh Wonderful things for film and TV. He did an old TV show was called Spaced out of England with uh, Simon Pegg and, and uh, Nick mm. Frost, who then went on to do the Cornetto trilogy with him, which is, of course, Shaun of the Dead, yeah. Hot Fuzz, my favorite of the three, and uh, The World's End. And then he's done Scott Pilgrim, oh. and he did Baby Driver. 
a lot of people, a lot of people think that he was involved with uh, Paul because both Simon Pegg and Nick Frost did that. I, I, he wasn't there in a director, d- directorial capacity, but I'm sure he was around because they're buds. Um, he just finished a new movie, uh, One Night or Last Night in Soho, mm. that's going to be coming out later this year. And then, of course, he did A Baby Driver. Uh, he was supposed to do Ant-Man with Marvel. He, he had written uh, Ant-Man. They were starting to film Creative Differences. He backed out, and then the guy who did Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp came in. I can't remember his name. Uh, but I have always been a fan of Edgar Wright since I saw Shaun of the Dead. Hmm. And he, if you watch his films, I'm not, did you see Scott Pilgrim? Yeah, I so love so that you movie. know how I, I, how Baby Driver had that feel to where the music the music was involved. Yeah, with the film, it, it was like that with Scott Pilgrim, and in some cases of the Cornetto trilogy, it was the same way with uh, with that. And I, I I've 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 done a lot of reading on Edgar Wright. He is really big on the musical side of his movies, like really big on them. And when I wanted to do film composing or be involved with film, that was something I wanted to do was be really involved with the song that goes into the film at the certain points and its involvement where like what you're seeing is actually, you know, matching the tune of the song or yeah, for so sure, like what he did with baby driver. It, it, I love that. I love when those two things come together. So, uh, with such synchronization. Yeah. It's great it, because it sets like the tone and the energy. And when there was a lot of action going on, it was a very just like high intense. You're like, mm, and I'm like, your heart's racing. You're like, yeah, drive yeah. away, go fast. Oh my god, you're so great. How did you do that? I can't even park my car right. Well, I, I love that baby, uh, the main character in the end, baby driver. He, he he had the headphones on, and he couldn't do what he did without music playing. And that's really what what drove that soundtrack to be as epic as it was, is because you're in the head of baby, with with uh, with him. Uh, you're laughing. <laughs> All if you've seen you've seen the movie obviously. Of course. So I just I don't know why, but you were like, oh, the headphones and it's getaway. And all I could think about is a scene where they're robbing the bank with Jamie Foxx and they ask for Mike Myers' mask and he gets <laughs> Austin Powers Mike Myers mask and he's like, what the hell? I said Mike Myers. He's like yeah, it's- Mike Myers, Austin Powers. Right? <laughs> I when I remember I like lost it when it happened. And that's I just, a great. That's sorry. a great moment. No, he's he's always been good on comedy too. And I love his I love his movies so much. The Cornetto trilogy, uh, my bachelor party was actually themed on the Cornetto trilogy. So I nice. I, I held I hold uh, Edgar Wright in very high regard of of my cinematic journey throughout my life. So I appreciate everything he's done. Baby Driver was a piece of cinematic brilliance, yeah. and I, I yeah I love that soundtrack I, so much. That was one of those movies that I left and it said. The minute it gets released on Blu-ray, I'm grabbing it. It's been a minute. Just send it in your car because it can get Oh, no, I do. I do. <laughs> on I-4 and bumper-to-bumper traffic. You know, here's this, bruh, I'm sitting here. I've been here for ten minutes. We haven't moved an inch. I want to go on the shoulder. Um, Home Alone is your next one, and that is a movie I haven't seen in a long time. Uh, even, you know, the Christmas season, I just haven't watched it in a while. Well, it's but on the Disney I, Plus now. What? It's on the Disney Plus now. Yeah, it is. It's it, yeah, and like I just love that score because 
like thinking back, you're like, oh, those are very like Christmas songs and stuff. But then mm. when the action starts, they take the Christmas and they're like, here we go. It's, it's like this action scene. And it's just a very interesting way they took that and took a spin on it. And I think that's just like really cool to me. Because like we were talking about earlier, it just very sets up the energy like you know, when the clock strikes and he's like running through, he's like, oh, I got to set everything up because they're about to head over and try to rob the house and I got to protect it because my parents were terrible and left me in the house. Action oh. Christmas. <laughs> right, exactly. It's, it's, it's no Die Hard, but you know. Oh, Die Hard. Another great Christmas movie. I Yeah, like I said, I haven't seen Home Alone in a long time, but I remember... Uh, I remember loving it, and I remember how wonderful Macaulay Culkin was fending off the was it Sticky Bandit. Were the Wet Bandits? No, the Wet Bandits. Wet Bandits. Movie. Sticky Bandits minute, yeah. the second movie. That's right. Uh, and just all the little pranks and, and knickknacks he threw together to like fend them off. It was, oh, it was a wonderful film. They fended off a gangster in Joe Pesci. There you go. You know. Daniel Stern. Yeah, yeah. I love, yeah. The, I... I remember I had a talk boy when I was growing up too. Oh, just I, I I did I I used to uh, record I don't know just I don't know if I was recording music on the radio or I would just talk into it like a stupid little kid and listen to myself be an idiot. Uh, I I did have one, and uh, I, I that's that is a movie I need to I need to go revisit. It's been a long time and there are a lot of great Christmas movies out there, but. I think that one might be on my list for, for this coming They're year. Just, yeah, it's just one of those movies that even though it's like a Christmas movie, like you pretty much enjoy it like all the time. And you're no. Like, oh. Christmas. No? I'm kidding. <laughs> wow. Grinch and taking it back to Jim Carrey over here. Stop me before I kill again. Noise, noise, and, noise. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about Men in Black. We talked about that during sci-fi and around the track. And you are a huge fan of that soundtrack, Big Willie style. And here comes the Men in Black. No, it's just great because I like I can't pinpoint it, but it's very it's I don't want to say it's simplistic because it's it's not, but it's it's a very just like basic soundtrack, but also like Danny Elfman just throws in like all these like futuristic kind of sounds. But not like so much like Daft Punk, like with the oh, yeah. Legacy. It's not like that, but it's very just like, you know, like... It was very like uh, like 1950s science fiction alien movie Kind of, yeah, but with like a modern... Like, a modern, twist. exactly, exactly. And it was, it was like so good. And even just like the intro, you're fo- following that dragonfly and all of a sudden just... Chris Black you know, on the front of the car. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but very yeah. Burton-esque. Mm. Uh, compositions almost and you know Men in Black had a very uh, Burton-esque oddity to it and like I said uh, in the last episode Barry Sonnefeld really delivered that weird but awesome as we as we said for sure uh, tone and uh, to be able to mix that with the the hip-hop element with Will Smith and <laughs> I love the part where they're sitting and they're driving the car and they're going through the tunnel upside down, and Tommy Lee Jones is listening to the, the cowboy music, and he's bopping his head, and Will Smith is like, "What is happening?" And he's like trying to like stand up, because and... <laughs> well, he didn't buckle in, and Will or uh, Tommy Lee Jones is headbanging to the music, like having fun driving on the top of the, the tunnel. That was oh. probably one of my favorite parts of the of the movie. 
great. But it's a yeah, it's a wonderful film, and uh, you said you haven't seen the third one because you, you you thought the second one was okay. I highly recommend seeing the third one. I might have to uh, go back through and then jump over to the theater and see an international. Oh, internet? No, no, it just well, it just, just kidding. It yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, no, no, uh, great. We'll on, cut that part out. Where, I think yeah. it's on. No, it's been on Blu-ray for a, about a month or two now. Uh, it's on Stars right now. So if you have stars streaming, I think it's on there. That's how the wife and I just watched it. And uh, like I said, it was okay. It wasn't like, uh, uh, it's about, you know, two wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. Uh, International wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. I think one and three are probably the best. Um, three. Oh, like Jurassic Park. So yeah, three really elevate, well, Jurassic Park three is, oof. Oh, see, I, that, that's where we'll disagree. I loved it. I need to rewatch I, it. My ranking is obviously Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park 3, Jurassic World, Jurassic World, The Lost Kingdom, and then just, you just go down the road, you know, I, and then finally you see Jurassic Park 2. I, I need to rewatch 3. The only reason I, I own it is because, you know, I try to collect all of them if I can. Yeah. But uh, Joe Johnson, who directed my favorite movie, The Rocketeer, did that movie, and I remember not liking it much, but maybe I just need to rewatch it because... Maybe I will like it more. Not a lot of people like it. It's, okay. yeah. it's like Back to the Future 3. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I try to give them a chance, though. <laughs> uh, so we are going to talk about now five films you haven't seen, or just a few films you haven't seen if you had enough time to watch them. Uh, there's some great ones on here. I've seen, I've seen four of them. Your top one I own, but I haven't seen. I think a buddy of mine just gave me a stack of DVDs, and it was on there. Almost Famous. Yeah, I hear so many great things. And same. There's been times where I'm like, oh, it's on. Let me watch it. And for some reason, again, it's one of those movies that just slips on by. But everybody's like, well, you haven't seen Almost Famous. You need to watch Almost Famous. And it's one of those. I'm like, all right, I guess I need to watch it. And I thought, and I thought of this other night because we were at a we we're at a restaurant. It's like Rock and Brews. Uh, oh yeah. And they were playing a. Uh, it was uh, Elton John's. Uh, Tony Danza, just kidding. Tiny Dancer, <laughs> and oh, uh, close but it was Danza. it was like it looked like I feel like it was a video from the movie because I was like, wait, I think this is almost famous. Well, when they uh, when Rocket Man came out, I think uh, one of the department stores like Walmart or Target, I can't forget who. Uh, it was like you buy a copy, you get a free digital copy of Almost Famous with it. Oh, okay. which I almost did, but I had the DVD, so I was like, nah, I don't need it. <coughs> but it's uh. It's. I hear it's a wonderful film, and it's one I need to see. And uh, I love Rock and Bruce, too. You said that. I was like, oh, yeah, I love that place. Mm. They have a good tri-tip sandwich. <laughs> um, Public Enemy, you haven't seen it yet. I have not. I've not really had the chance. I had the chance once, and I was at the airport when I was dating a girl who lived in Texas. And I was waiting, and I was like, okay, I'll watch it. And then they changed our gate, and then I just never went back to it. But it's, it's one of those, it's like, that's a very famous gangster movie. It was in the great movie ride. I feel like I have to watch it. And it's it's a wonderful film, and it's 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 a short movie. I want to say it's like an hour and ten minutes, if I remember correctly. Uh, it was on TCM recently, because I have the app on my Fire Stick for TCM, because mm-hmm. I, I like to go back and watch a lot of classic movies that way. I own the DVD of Public Enemy. And I was going to watch it that way, and then I saw it was streaming, and I didn't want to get up and grab the DVD, so I don't, I my lazy self, <laughs> the ease of streaming services has taken over. 
But, uh, I mean, and I had the DVD, and I think it was, like, up, upscaled to HD a little bit where they could with an old movie. So I was like, ah, a little better, a little better picture quality on my, my TV. So I'll, I'll, I'll take it that way. Hmm. And, uh, no, wonderful film. Cagney just rules that movie and owns every part of it he's in. I <laughs> highly recommend it. And the, uh, the grapefruit part where he takes the oh, grapefruit gosh. and puts it in her face, I, oh... You just see the like, because that was not scripted at all. All improv. And uh, you watch the the look of disbelief when she's like, "She just did that." And of course, it's like the early days of film. I can only imagine. They're like, "We're keeping that for the movie." No, take that out. You know, I, I it's wonderful, wonderful little improv by Cagney, and uh, I I love his his last stand where he uh, he enters this club and just goes in and just 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 big shootout you don't see anything you just hear a bunch of gunfire and him walking out defeated so yeah i've seen the grapefruit and i've seen that scene where he comes out he's standing in the rains coming down and he's just drenched and he's like grinning but also like dying and wonderful movie two of the three are also mom movies the irishman um netflix's yeah I, i i so i was so hyped when i found out about this movie especially with joe pesci Robert De Niro, Al Pacino. I was like, man, this is going to be a great movie. And then it dropped, and everybody's like, it's three hours. And I said, man, I don't have time for that. <laughs> I, I actually found a, a nice way to watch it. I, 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 if I had to cut the three and a half hours, I sit down and do it all at once. I would have. I just I didn't have the time. It dropped during the holidays. It was yeah. right before Thanksgiving. And so I was able to watch an hour and a half before work one day. And it was a, a nice stopping point, literally like an hour and 28 minutes, hour and a half. And then I was able to watch the remaining two hours the day or two later. And then there was a, like a 25 to 30 minute roundtable documentary with Scorsese and the three main guys. And I, that, hate, it's, I, I keep hearing from people that there's, somebody, there's like something online that says there's a way to watch it. So it's, it's like a mini-series, so you could break it down into like little episodes so you huh. don't have to sit down and watch it all at once. You should do it like that, then. I mean, I could, but... I'm, I'm surprised Netflix hasn't cut that up, because I know they cut uh, Tarantino's Hateful Eight into a miniseries format, which they're going to do with more... Because ext- it's an, uh, an extended cut Yeah, Hateful Eight, not the main feature. The main feature you can watch them. But I, I still want to go back and watch the extended cut miniseries thing they did, because I like that they're doing that. With the with the streaming mentality that you know people bit watch in, in chunks... All at once, or take an hour, take a break, watch another one, take a break, and, and it allows people to be able to watch more of these features in their own time. For and, sure, and uh, I mean, I think it's smarter to do that on streaming services because, man, I had to pee halfway through <laughs> Endgame, and I was like, nope, can't do that. Let's <laughs> get the Infinity Gauntlet cup and take it with you. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> <laughs> a Beautiful Mind, wonderful film. Uh, Jennifer Conley, Russell Crowe. Uh, I I loved every aspect of that film. I, re- I remember, it's been about maybe 10 years since I've watched it. It came out in 2001, and Russell Crowe's a mathematician. And yeah, but he's he, also, yeah, it's like a... A mental disorder, right? Yeah, like he sees kind of, sort of. Because I like so a, the the reason this came back up to like fruition was he's uh, like antisocial or whatever they call it. Yeah, um, this actually like 
I took psychology last semester. And yeah. My professor talked about that then, talked about this movie, and, and like showed us clips, and I was like, man, I still have not seen this movie, and I've heard nothing but great things about him, the mm-hmm. movie and his acting and just everything about it, and it's like one of those movies I was like, you know what? And he said, I'm watching. Yeah, I think he was, I can't remember if he was like working for an organization to like help them crack something, or... But he, he kind of, like, loses it a little bit because, you know, the pressure of, of trying to do well, this out there. From what I understood, it was he worked at a college, and he was a college professor, but one of the people he imagined, I think, like, worked for the FBI or something. And they were, yeah, like, I think watching. he started, like... And not, then there was, like, this little girl that, like, was also his best friend. and I don't know. It just it seems very interesting. Yeah, because you're looking in the mind of a genius who's also having uh, an, an illness at the same time and, and just a look into the... The, the title of Beautiful Mind. So. Uh-huh. Ah. ah, he said it. I he, said the thing. He said the thing. And then The Departed, which uh, that movie has been mentioned on every single episode that I've done so far. And Scorsese's brilliant work with the, such a wonderful cast Jack Nicholson, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Mark Wahlberg, Matt Damon. Uh, wonderful, wonderful cast. And just a twisty story if, if you want a very good modern day. Mob movie, and it's I want to say it was set in Boston. Oh yeah, no, it's set in Boston, and it parked up car in Hobbit Yard. Top 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 top. I said parked the car in Hobbit Yard. I didn't do it. Holiday Hoobie Woody. Fenway, Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, stereotypical Boston. There's nothing wrong with Dunkin' Donuts. No, I know, but it's in Boston, you know. I know it's from Boston. So uh, I highly recommend seeing that one. I, and I, I don't talk about it much because, A, I haven't seen it in a very long time, and I don't remember too much. I remember it being brilliant, but at the same time, I also... You see things, a lot of movies. Some things go down that you don't want to ruin, too. And like I said prior, I, I'm not one that likes to ruin things. Uh, so the new question that we haven't asked on an episode yet is a movie that you have highly disliked or... You were highly anticipating and were highly disappointed by. And you told me that you really were upset with Ang Lee's Hulk movie from the early yes. 2000s with Eric Bana. And I yes. think everybody who loves the comic book movies can agree with you that that movie was... Um, garbage. Yeah. As the French well, say. Well, politely. <laughs> the French say. Garbage. No, I just like... You know... <laughs> you know, like... It w- there was no MCU yet, and there was, like, no, like, this big uh, plethora of superhero movies and stuff. So anytime, like, a movie came out, you know, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, and you're like, yeah, and then it came out, and you're like, this is awesome, except for the third one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then this came out, and it's like, oh, the Hulk, that's a different person, great. Uh, you know, you know, we had, I'm pretty sure... Fantastic Four came out before it with like Jessica Alba and all that. I want to say it was near the same time. It was around the same time. Yeah, roughly, um, where a young uh, Chris uh, Chris Evans. Chris Evans as uh, the original Fantastic Four came out in two thousand five, and oh, then, then the Hulk not, came out. I want to say two years two thousand three. Yeah, so it was right before Fantastic Four. But you know, like well, that Blade, movie. Blade had came out by then. Blade, great, great Blade, superhero movie. Blade, yeah, that was ninety eight. But, but I just remember. Starting, and I was like, all right, cool, and it was like, start off slow, which is nothing wrong about that, because sometimes it's nice to have like a slow movie, and then bam, it just like hits 100, and you're like, oh, crap, this is awesome, but it just like started off slow, and then I just kept getting lost, and 
he wasn't turning into the Hulk, and it's like 40 minutes into the movie, and I'm like, when am I going to see the Hulk? This is garbage. I'm out. <laughs> and left. You left it? Yeah, I went back and said, I, I can't watch this anymore. Wow. And I, I, I mean, I was younger at the time, but like now I try to stick it out, but that was one of those movies I just walked out and asked for a refund. <laughs> I was like, they're not getting my money on that. There's a, there's quite a few. I, I remember one. I sat through the whole one, and I thought it would looked good, and then I saw it, and I was like, this is horrible. This is movie. I went with a couple friends, and I think I, I talked them into seeing it, and I feel bad about it. And I still remember it's called Runner Runner, and it was it was Ben Affleck, and uh, I think Justin Timberlake. Oh, what a and it was like it was mid mid. 2010, so it was like uh, 2015, maybe? I don't remember. Uh, and it was it was 2013. Ben Affleck, Justin Timberlake. And I was like, this looks okay. Let's go see it. And I made a very bad choice. It was very boring. And I remember disliking that one. But one of the ones that I really really hyped up for myself and then walked in and was like this looks great like the first 10 minutes and then it just slowly got crappy was Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets that Luke Besson did a few years ago mm. uh, Dane DeHaan who was in Chronicle um, he was in uh, A Cure for Wellness that was a pretty good flick uh and then uh, Cara Delevingne, who's on that Carnival Row show with Orlando Bloom right now on, on Amazon, and she was in the Suicide Squad movie. Uh, it was... Luke Besson has made some very meh movies ever since Fifth Element happened. Uh, with the exception, I hear, of this movie he did with Scarlett Johansson called Lucy. And I haven't seen hmm. that one. But I, I was really looking forward to Valerian. Because what he said was that it was this French comic book that turned into a graphic novel. And the art for it was brilliant. And it looked like the space epic that, like, you know how people compared Avatar to, like, copying Star Wars and all that? I feel, I feel like Valerian had some elements, because it was a 50s comic book, had some elements that maybe Star Wars took, like, the space. It was, it was almost like a space Indiana Jones, almost. Yeah. And I was really excited for it. And he said that it really inspired the fifth element. When he, he wanted to do Valerian when he did fifth element, and the studio said, no, not, nobody's ready for that. Uh, let's do this fifth element one. And they did that. And, and so years later when CGI uh, upgrade, he was like, I think we should do it now. Now's the time. And unfortunately, I just feel that the cast that he chose just didn't yeah. hold the movie that he was... It felt like a twelve-year-old. It felt like a twelve-year-old who had, was starting puberty made this movie because of just the the, the, the dialogue between uh, Dane DeHaan's uh, Valerian and I can't remember her name. It was so elementary. Cara Cara Delevingne. I, well, I can't remember her her character's name. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's very. It was very elementary, and the first ten minutes was really good because it looks like it was building this world. For us, and that was so great. And then they showed up, and it was like, oh no. It was, I, yeah, it was very. Uh, t- I, I remember watching it and just like, it was mediocre. I thought, like, it I looked, wanted to it, like it. <laughs> it looked, I was like, oh man, this is gonna, 
like I, based on like a, the CGI and everything, I was like, man, this is gonna look like a really awesome movie. And I just like felt underwhelmed when I left. And I went, hmm, that was that was something. Yeah, I, and I, I built it up for myself, like because I was watching behind the scene things, and he was doing little tidbits on like IMDb and HBO and and his own uh, Facebook, I think, showing you going into what this is going to be like. And then you saw the final product, and you're like, oh, man, this isn't good. I was so upset. I, I really wanted to like it. And I, I, I appreciate what he was trying to do, but the delivery was just, it, he missed. He missed it. So <laughs> it could have been so much better, and I wanted it to be. And I, I, I wanted it to become, because it was a comic series. Yeah. I was hoping it would do well enough to become a film series. And I, no, don't, don't, don't do it. I'm sorry, Luke Besson. You've done some great things. I just, don't do it. I honestly don't know what's worse. Like, just stick with your multi-pass. <laughs> I don't know what's worse. Going into a movie anticipating for it to be great and it sucks. Or going into a movie and then like, oh, this is actually pretty good. And then the end just, you're like, what, what happened? I was like that with Ender's Game. I was like that with uh, Passengers, with... Uh, <laughs> My wife and I just talked about that movie the other Chris day. Chris Pratt and uh, Jennifer Lawrence. At the yeah. end, I just went, the, the, what? Hello? That, that's it? One of the managers at my old theater, um, quality check, because, you know, as projectionists, we tend to pre-watch the movies, A, because, you know, we love movies, and B, we're making sure that the film is good for the public when it releases in the next day or two. Uh, and he, he, he quality checked it and said he wishes he could take those two hours back, or hour and a half, or hour long the movie was. And because of that, I did not watch it. My wife saw it a few, like a month or two ago on streaming, and pretty much, you know, not exactly the same words, but said pretty much the same thing. So I have, I have purposely avoided it because I feel that I... <laughs> it, like, it's... I, it yeah, started enough. I, I was like, I'm getting like a uh, like the Shining in space kind of feel like cabin he's fever. He's like isolated cabin fever. He breaks out this girl and all this stuff, and then it started ending, and then it ended, and I went, "Oh." I heard it was predictable and creepy and very. Uh, mm, it, it touches things that it shouldn't. Or, I just remember yeah. leaving, going, "Well, that was meh." Yeah, exactly, and it looked kind of shining. And I like, like, I didn't expect to leave it like, you know, like some movie, like Inception. I left that movie and I didn't say anything. Got in my car, didn't turn on the radio, drove home, sat under my bed and went, "Whoa, wow, what the, what just happened?" Like just blown away. That I went, "Wait, what? 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 I literally just went, what? What just happened?" I, and I've done, there's been a couple of movies where I go, I just go, what? At the end of the movie, I just am so lost and confused. And I can't remember any of the movies, but I just remember, there was one movie I was at, don't remember the name, but at the end of the movie, it stopped. And I just went, what? <laughs> and everybody started laughing. Because it was just like, there's some movies that they're like, start off good. And they're like, okay, it's going to be a pretty good movie. And then it ends and you go, why? Why was that the choice? Why did you do that? Ender's Game was one of those movies for me uh, when they did it. Uh, Butterfield, the Asia Butterfield kid, uh, he was in Hugo. Very good movie. I, I, I hype that movie every time I get a chance to mention it. He's a great actor. Uh, Harrison Ford's in it. Ben Kingsley, I was like, this cast is great. Uh, Haley Steinfeld, I think, is in it. 
And it, it looked like it was supposed to be this, you know, really cool, you know, young teen novel turned movie that is going to be like the next Hunger Games that, you know, when it first came out, it blew everyone away. And the ending was so anticlimactic. And I hear that the book version was a lot more climactic, like a lot more, it, the way it, it was uh, portrayed in the, in the novel, uh, it was much more visceral and, and, and uh, it jumped out at you. And then you watch it, the way they, they filmed it and the way they, they showcased it, it was like, all right, you're going to do this final test. And once you pass this, you're going to be able to go to war for us. And then the test was actually the war. And you don't find out until after. Like, he, he just, like, decimated this entire race almost, I think. I, I could be butchering this a little bit because it's been a while. I haven't seen it since the theater because I was so disappointed. And he he takes out this race, and they're like, all right, you passed the test. Great, now when's the war? That was it. And just the way it happened, you're like, oh, so you're building him up to do the next thing. And, and then it's like, you pass the test, and that's it. Awesome. Now what? Oh, no, that was it. And I was just like, what? No! <laughs> this is stupid! And I just, I have never gotten, like, mad at, at an ending before like that. And that just, no! How dare you? And I think I was just like, oh, this sucks, man. Come on. And, and the that movie point, wasn't like... To, uh, to get a refund. <laughs> You're like, no, oh. that, I, I just, like, said, no, I'm never seeing that again. I just, I, uh, I... I, I, the movie wasn't like the best movie, but I was I was entertained enough to be enjoying it at the time, and then that happened, and I was like, "That's so dumb. I'm done." That's the opposite of a cliffhanger where you're like, "No, yeah. I want more." You're like, "No, I don't. I don't want that anymore." Yeah, I was ready for him to go to war, <laughs> and, was, and and he was just standing at this like control panel, like telling people what to do and and controlling. That was like Halo Wars on in a movie, and he was like. Man. This real-time strategy, like, showcasing where everybody was going, and then, meh. <laughs> like, that's it? That's all you got? Come on! Could have done so much better. We could have done so much better with this. But, I, of course, they're adapting a book that I haven't I haven't read, but I, I, I did, like, the cliff notes afterwards to see <laughs> if it sucked as much. And it sounded much better in the book. Yeah. So, uh, I... Uh, I have quite a few movies that disappointed me, and I'm sure as I bring that question up in future episodes, more will come to me, or, or more I've seen since, <laughs> and I'll be like, hey, I've got another one that I just watched the other day that was, oh my god. So, uh, we'll see. But Gabe, uh, thanks for coming on and, and doing yeah. a couple episodes of the great movie Radio Water Park and Tiki Bar and Mini Golf Course. Mini Golf <laughs> And uh, Snowboarding, about in snowboarding Globetarian. That was another word I just made up. Brought to you by Doug Dimidome. Doug Dimidome. <laughs> Doug Dimidome. Well, thanks for listening to us, folks. If you uh, are new to the podcast, check out our older episodes. Um, they're pretty great. Um, I've had some great uh, movie writers with us, Gabe, my um, old friend Tracy, uh, one of my good friends who did work at Movie Ride, Joe, he's been on. We're going to have some more people on from the ride and some who have not worked it but are huge fans of it uh, in future episodes. Check us out on YouTube. Um, we've also got social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we've got a new sh- uh, a new uh, Public site where you can buy shirts and uh, mugs and just a bunch of cool things to help support us and uh, help us do uh, some cool things with the podcast. We'll see you next time here on the Great Movie Radio Show. 
The Great Movie Radio Show is recorded in Orlando, Florida. You can visit our website at www.thegmrshow.com. Art direction and logo design provided by Mr. Bayless. Voiceover and intro work provided by Dave Feske and Joe Erickson. You can find our podcast on multiple platforms such as Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and many more. Music provided by the YouTube Audio Library. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search The Great Movie Radio Show or The GMR Show. This has been The Great Movie Radio Show. We hope you enjoy your day, and we'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of. Goodbye, everyone. You have been listening to a GMR radio production.